Hey guys, your host Matt Perry here. I want to tell you about a podcast that I have just started listening to over the last week, and I find it so interesting. Being a history nerd, as you can tell by somebody that runs old time radio forever, I love all things weird history. And that is where Strange Year comes in. The Strange Year podcast is so cool. Right now, they have about 14 episodes available, and they run the gamut from 2004 all the way back to 1587. Each week, host Jason Horton revisits a different year along with the strange history and the cultural happenings during that year. So be sure to get your weekly Weird History Fix with Strange Year. You can listen to Strange Year wherever you listen to your podcasts. Hello and welcome to the Old Time Radio Forever broadcast. I'm your host, Matt Perry. Join us weekly as we explore the golden era of American radio through the dramas, westerns, mysteries, and comedies that shaped the golden age. Be sure to give us a thumbs up or a five-star review on all of the podcast directories that you may use. Have you heard the strange tales of the Whistler? trying to run away, but I'm going with you. Saturday night, and CBS presents The Whistler. I, The Whistler, know many things, for I walk by night. I know many strange tales, many secrets hidden in the hearts of men and women who have stepped into the shadows. And so I tell you tonight the story of the killers. The rain beats down in torrents, and during the brief flashes of lightning, a certain stone building stands out in the darkness of the night, the courthouse of a county in a southwestern state. A murder trial has come to a conclusion... A sensational trial in which the young killer has been tried and convicted of the brutal slaying of five people, his employer, Farmer Atkins, and Atkins' entire family. The defense, appointed by the state, contended that the slayer was insane. Now the killer stands before the judge. The jury has found that on the night of September 13th, the entire Atkins family was brutally slain with a meat cleaver wielded by the defendant, Joe Nichols. In the absence of sufficient motive other than the $20 found on the defendant, the defendant was placed under observation by the state psychiatrists. And the said state psychiatrists find the defendant suffering from dementia precox. 
Therefore, it is the duty of this court to commit the defendant to the state institution for the insane. And so, Joe Nichols was taken to the state asylum, there to be placed under observation and treatment. Now let us travel south in the same state to a certain farm, a farm belonging to the widow Agatha Mayberry. There's no connection whatever between Agatha Mayberry and the insane killer, Joe Nichols. But let us go to the farm anyway. Agatha's husband died three years ago and left her with a rather large farm. At first, she managed things very well. But then came the war, and hands became scarcer and scarcer. Then Agatha's sister, Ellen, came to live with her, and Ellen's daughter, a lazy girl named Della. Storm is coming up stronger now. Did you get those calves in like I told you, Della? What did you say, Aunt Agatha? Get your nose out of that magazine and you could hear me. Aunt Agatha wanted to know if you looked after the calves, darling. No. No, I forgot. You'll have to excuse Della. She just can't get used to this sort of life in so short time. You've both been here almost a year. Give her time, Agatha. Huh. Give her time. I'll give her time. Get out there, Della, and see if those calves are under shelter. <laughs> I might catch my death of cold in this storm. Those calves are worth more than you are. Go on. <laughs> she's frightened to death of lightning, Agatha. I don't think she's frightened of anything. Why don't you hire a man to do these things? Uh, wish I could. Men are scarce these days, all in the army. Oh, poor baby. Poor baby. You, you stay here. I'll go and see to the calves. You'll do no such thing, Ellen. Stay here and take care of your baby. And I'll attend to the calves. Well... She'll be all right just as soon as the storm's over. Yeah. Well, you've got to do something around here, Della. At least you can wash the dishes. But I dried them yesterday. Don't hurt your beautiful hands. Anyway, I've got to do something around here under these conditions. You need a man. You need a farmhand. Yes, but I can't get one. So the only thing I can do is to get rid of some of this land. Sell it to someone who can handle it. Well, uh, Mr. Dalton made you an offer for part of it, Agatha. He offered to buy some. Yes, I know. And he can handle it. Has a couple of sons. And a daughter who isn't afraid to get her hands dirty. So, uh, how much do you think he'd pay for it? Oh, well, I don't know. But I'm going to find out. Agatha, where are you going? I'm going to see Mr. Dalton, my neighbor. If I can make a deal, I'll make it tonight. But it's storming yet, Agatha. I've been in storms before. I'll drive over there and be back in an hour. I'm not a sissy. Go on to bed, Della, and pull the covers over your head. And Agatha's selfish. She's mean. All she thinks about is this farm and work, work. I don't know anything about a farm. I can't learn. I won't. Well, you, you don't belong on a farm, Della. Doesn't suit you. I won't hurt animals. I won't milk cows. Oh, there, there, darling. Don't cry. <laughs> Mother understands. No one understands me. I won't be a slave. And Agatha's trying to make a slave of me. There are people for such work. There are men for such things. But men are scared, darling. Men are scared. Then we'll leave. We won't put up with it. Well, how can we leave, baby? We have no money. No. Well, I won't take care of animals. I'm going to be a model. I should be in New York or, or in Hollywood. Now, 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 darling, don't let yourself get excited. Mean, selfish. I hate oh, her. Please, Della, darling, calm yourself. Who does she think she is ordering me around like a slave? I won't stand for it. My silly old fool, I hate her. You don't mean a word you say, darling. You're, you're just upset now. Please try and relax. Please. 
Della, poor little Della, sobs and sobs in a fit of hysteria. Aunt Agatha drives on through the raging storm, and ten minutes later pulls to a stop in front of her nearest neighbor's house, the house of Farmer Dalton. Anybody home? Dalton! Well, land of mercy, Agatha Mayberry. Come on in, come in, come in, come in. (laughs) You must think I'm kind of crazy running around on a night like this, Mr. Dalton. Well, there must be a reason for it, Agatha. Yes, there is. I want to talk business. Business? Well, all right, what's on your mind all of a sudden? You want to buy the east half of the farm? Why, uh, sure, I, I told you I did. What was your offer? $2,000. Well, that's a little low, don't you think? Well, perhaps, but uh, well, what are you going to be able to do with it? You ain't got no men folk around. You'll have to let it go to grass. Yes, I know that. But if we could only get a few women to give up their fancy manicures and long fingernails, it wouldn't hurt them any, I know. I've tried it. Yeah, you're right about that, Agatha. Well, let's get down to business. You'll give me $2,000 for the east half of my land? Yeah, that's right. Well, the deal. Good. Shake. <laughs> now, uh, how do you want it? Well, how are you prepared to handle it? Well, I'll tell you, I, um... <clears throat> I collected $1,000 cash from Henry Jacobs late this afternoon. It was too late to put in the bank. So uh, I'll just give you that cash and a note for 12 months on the balance. All right, fair enough. Make out the note. All right. <clears throat> I, John Dalton, in consideration, in the sum of $1,000. Mm. Uh, there you are, I see. Well, uh... Shouldn't we have a witness to this transaction? Well, if you uh, want it that way, sure. Oh, I'm sorry. I just wanted to thank you, Mr. Dalton. That was a swell supper. Oh, uh, uh, come in here a minute. I, I want you to do something. Sure. Sure, anything you say, Mr. Dalton. What can I do? Uh, Joe, this is Mrs. Agatha Mayberry, my neighbor of the West. She just sold me the east half of her land. I'm paying her half cash and the other half on a 12-month note. Uh, I'd like you to witness that note, would Joe? Is that necessary? Oh, I don't know, but that's the way Agatha wants it. Very well, I witness it. There you are. Hmm. Yeah, thanks, Joe. And uh, who is this man? Well, <laughs> Joe came here today, early this morning, and he's worked like a dog all day, done ten men's work, and that's something I can't understand. What do you mean? Well, he's been discharged from the Army because of a physical reason. He's a 4F, but... Certainly didn't show any bad signs today. I can still do a lot of useful things. I thought you had enough men around here to handle things. Oh, I have, but he's broke and hungry. Well, if you don't really need him, how about lending him to me? I could use him. Yes, that's right. You could. Uh, She's got a farm and not a man on the place, Joe. How about it, huh? Sure. Sure, I'd be glad to help her. Fine. Well, you go on with Mrs. Mayberry. She really needs help, Joe. She lives alone with her sister and her young niece, and they can't help her much, but you can. It's a deal. Right. Well, here's your $1,000 cash, Agatha, and the note. Next payment's due in 30 days. I'll have it there. <laughs> I'm not worried about you, John. See you later. Well, now, you better keep an eye on me. I'm a strange sort of critter. I forget sometimes, you know. Well, come along, young man. It's getting late. The storm's getting worse. Yes, yes, I know. Are you alone? Yes. Yeah. Good night, Mr. Dalton. And thanks for everything. Night, Joe. <laughs> 
say your name was? I didn't say. But my name's Joe. Oh, I see. Ever do any farm work, Joe? Yes, I've done a little here and there. You're sure welcome. Why did you sell half of your farm? Because I couldn't take care of it. You sold it short, didn't you? Yep, $2,000. And it's really worth 4000 He gave me 1000 cash and this note for the balance. Aren't you worried about carrying a thousand in cash? No, why should I be worried? Oh, I don't know, but it's kind of risky. Is it? Aren't you afraid of me? No, I'm not afraid of anyone. No? Well, that's good. How long have you been out of the Army? Three days, over four months. I was wounded in Bataan. But I can do lots of things, even if I am discharged. Well, I'm glad to have you. Glad to have anyone who can do anything. Dark road, isn't it? Yep. No one could drive on it if they didn't know it. Any crossroads? Nope, none. How much farther is your place? Mm, about two miles. Oh, that far, huh? It's a big farm. Well, what do you think of that? Must have got to wet after all. Mm, that's what it sounds like. Oh, I hope it keeps going. I'd hate to have to walk the rest of the way in this storm. Such mud. Yeah, that wouldn't be good, would it? Maybe you'd better stop and let me have a look under the hood. All right. Shall I turn off the motor? No, 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 not yet. Oh, your fan isn't working. The belt's slipping and your motor's too hot. Well, can you fix it? Yeah. Yeah, I can fix it. Have you got a uh, wrench? Yes, in that door pocket. Oh, yes. Yeah. Here we are. This'll do it. Turn it off. Well... What are you staring at? Oh, I, I was just thinking what a brave woman you are to be riding around alone on a night like this with a thousand dollars in cash. Seems to me Agatha's been gone quite a while, Bella. Yes, been almost an hour. Maybe she got stuck or something happened to the car. Tell her right if it did. I don't care if she never comes back. Yeah. You don't mean that. Well, maybe not. But I was just thinking. So were you, but you won't admit it. Admit what? If she didn't come back, why? Well, then we could leave here. We could go to New York or Hollywood and I could follow my career. How? Well, we could sell the farm and everything. Have plenty of money to live on till I got started. We sell the farm? Don't be so dumb, Mother. Wouldn't you inherit all her property? Don't talk like that, Della. It frightens me. I can imagine how frightened you are. You're not afraid something has happened to her. You're afraid something won't be still. All right. Getting worse. Yes. I'm going to make the road slicker, muddier. You had to keep from skidding. Stella. Stella, don't open it. Who's there? It's all right. Open the door. Good news, maybe, Mother. What is it? Oh. It's mighty wet out here. Are you uh, Mrs. Mayberry's niece? Yes. What happened? Well, she had a little trouble and... Uh... Where is she? Is she all right? I'm her sister. No, don't close the door. She'll be along in a moment. Is she... How did, did it happen? happen? Well, the fan belt slipped and the motor got hot. And then when she started down that steep hill, the car started to slide. And she went into a tree at the bottom. I see. Where is she now? Well, I got in the garage all right. Not hurt much. Front axle bent a little. Agatha! <laughs> what? She's all right. Yeah, well, I certainly had a time with that car. Well, what do you mean, all right? Of course I'm all right. But we thought... Take some tea, Ellen. I'm frozen stiff. 
Who's this man? Oh, th- this is Joe. Joe, this is my niece, Ella, and this is her mother, my sister, Ellen. We've met. We're going to have a man around here. Joe's the new hand. Maybe we'll get some something done around here for a change. Did you make the deal with Mr. Dalton? Sure. He paid me $1,000 down in cash. Balance monthly. Joe here was witness to the deal. Witness? Yes, I happened to be at the Dalton's place. I worked there today. Your aunt said she needed a hand, so here I am. You're going to stay here? Of course. Well, how nice. Your aunt's a very brave woman to take a chance riding with a stranger in a thousand dollars cash around her neck. Oh, I'm not afraid. I'm a pretty good judge of people. Well, since you aren't going to make that tea, Ellen, I'll do it myself. Sit down, Ellen, before you fall down. Turn on the radio, Della. I want to hear the news in a little bit. Are you married, Mr. Joe? No. You're not in the army? I was. Uh, medical discharge. You look tired, sir. Yes, I am. I wonder if you'd mind if I'd turn in. Not at all. Well, is there a separate building for the hands? No, I suppose Aunt Agatha intends for you to have a spare room upstairs. The end of the hall. I see. Well, good night, Miss... Uh... My name is Della. Good night, Stella. Good night, Joe. Good night. Night, ma'am. He's a bit odd, isn't he? I like him. He's not bad looking, either. with a madman. And the man knows about the thousand dollars. What are you going to do, Della? What are we going to do, Della? What do we do? Be quiet, Mother. I'll tell Agatha. Agatha should know. Come back here. Be quiet. Agatha should be warned. Maybe she'll know what to do. No, not a word to Aunt Agatha. It'll only frighten her. I've been called the police. Call somebody. We can't. The phone isn't working. It's gone dead. Gone dead? Della, what do you mean? What I said. I tried it earlier this evening. Well, when? I don't remember. You'll be still. Go upstairs and go to bed. Go upstairs? No, Della, I can't. We... We've got to tell I to go to bed. But, but what if he should... Della, he knows about that money. I'd kill us all. There's a gun in this table drawer. I can see both your room and Agatha's from this chair by the door. I'll stay here in the dark until morning. Understand? Yes, but please. Go on upstairs before Agatha sees you. Go on. Everybody, or Joe. Said he was tired, so he went to bed. Mother just went up. After all, it is late, Aunt Agatha. Yeah, right, it is. You look tired, Aunt. Perhaps you'd better. What's the matter with you? What are you trembling about? Trembling? Why, well, I, I think I've taken cold. A little chill. I'll be off. Better take some quinine and go to bed yourself. Yes, but I haven't been sleeping well lately. I'll, I'll read for a little while. Then I'll be I missed the news. What did it say? It said that uh, 
Oh, nothing's important. Oh, I see. Well, let her drink some warm milk and go to bed. All right. Good night. Why didn't you tell her, Adela? Do you really think you can handle the situation? You think you can cope with a madman? Your face grows more pale. Your hands tremble. <laughs> Della steps to the table, studies the phone, then opens the drawer, takes the revolver, turns out the light, and slips into the chair by the door. As the hours pass, the storm increases to a fury. Three in the morning now, and Agatha sleeps soundly in her four-poster bed. Then her door opens softly, and a tall figure steps into the room, slips to the side of Agatha's bed. A few moments pass, then a hand reaches toward Agatha's throat, removes the money bag. Agatha opens her eyes. Oh, what do you want? Oh, what did you Later, it is passed over, leaving only the fall of the light rain. Suddenly, Della stirs in the chair beside the door. A figure is slowly, stealthily coming down the stairs. Reaches the bottom and starts to cross the room toward Della. She wakes breathlessly, then snaps on the light. Where were you going? Why, why I was there. Uh... What are you doing down here? Where were you going? Well, the storm woke me up, and I, I got a little hungry. I thought I'd have a look in the kitchen. You were headed the wrong way, Joe. Huh? The kitchen is up there. Oh, yeah. Yes, sure. I guess I got turned around in the dark. I don't think you were confused, Joe. What do you mean? You had no intention of spending the night here. And you weren't planning to start work in the morning. Of course I was. I know who you are, Joe. I know all about you. What? How do you know? Radio. It was a warning and a description. They said you were in this And what are you going to do? Phone the police? No. Oh, yes. I'm not afraid. I understand your courage. What do you mean by that? I don't condemn. I sympathize with you. You do? Yes. If they know I'm in the vicinity, then I've got to get out of here. You've got a little money, haven't you, Joe? Yes. Then I'm going with you. What? You're going. What do you mean? I can't do that. Yes, you can. You've got to. Once we're across the state line, everything will be all right. My heart, I don't get it. I've got to get away from here. I've got to. I'm being held here against my wishes. Held here? Yes, they think I'm crazy, unbalanced. Crazy? You don't act crazy to me. Neither do you. But they've got some reason for keeping me here, and I can't stand it any longer. I've left before, but I haven't got a stand, and they watch me like a hawk. Here are the keys to the car. I don't need a car. I can hide out better on foot. I don't want anybody with me, especially a girl. And besides, I don't intend to cross the state line. But you're taking me with you. Nothing doing. I'm getting out now while it's dark. Wait a minute. Uh, what? I have to open that door and go to the garage. Now go off. Remember, you're a teacher. If I shoot you, they'll pay nothing up. Straight ahead to the garage. Now turn here. This is the main highway. Well, why the main highway? I'd rather keep to the side. I wouldn't. Straight ahead. Maybe you are not. Oh, are you crazy, Joe? Certainly not. Of course not. Neither am I. 
Where does this highway go? To the state line. Look, I'm in, I'm in a tough enough spot as it is. I'm not going to try and cross the state line with a girl at this time of the morning. I'll take care of it. I know. Straight ahead. I could wring your neck for this. <laughs> You're just the one who could do it. I've got one chance in a thousand of getting over that line. We'll make it all right. We'll make it. And keep both hands on that wheel. I know what you're thinking. I could turn this car over, you know. But you won't. Will you? Hey, look. Red lights ahead. State line. One of the lights is swinging. They're signaling to stop police officers. Yes. Faster, Joe, faster. Go right on through them. They'll never catch us. Hey, stop! Stay back! We've made it. Keep going. Hey. I don't know, I don't know. I think we've broken the system, Rod. This old place can't take such a beating. They come. Now I am stuck. Don't move, Joe. You're right where you are. You little sap. Don't you move or I'll shoot you. Put up your hands, buddy. All right, all right, all right. What's the idea of running over the state line like that? Didn't you see the lights? Well, you see, I... I uh... Maybe he's colorblind, Tom. Thought they were green. He seems to be sober, all right. Let's see your driver's license. I haven't got one. Let's see your draft card. I haven't got one. That is with me. Well, you hear that, Frank? Who are you? Hey, hey, Tom, look, slumped down in the seat. The girl. Throw your light on her. Look at her face, all bloody. Open the door. She's been bashed in the mouth. Wait a minute. Is this your gun, buddy? No, no. What's this little pouch on the seat? I, I don't know. Look, Tom, look at the bills. Look at the water money. Hey. Oh. Hey, hey, sister. Are you all right? All right, sister. We're state police. Please. What happened to you? It's him. Who? Who was this man? He came to our farm last night. He robbed my hat and made me come with me. He kidnapped me. She's crazy. She's a nut. When we crossed the line, I tried to scream, and he hit me. You don't know who he is? No. No, his name is Joe. I think he's the lunatic who escaped from the asylum yesterday. She's crazy, I tell you. Get out of that car, buddy. You're coming to headquarters. What happened then? Well, after Mother and I heard the announcement on the radio, I knew it was him. I, I couldn't call the police because the phone was dead. Why didn't you go for help? Because he knew that Aunt Agatha had the money. I was afraid to go because of what he might do. I got Aunt's gun and sat by the door where I could see him if he went into his room. Yes? But I, I, I must have fallen asleep because I, I waked up just in time to see him coming down the stairs and stop by the outer door. I turned on the light and... He said he was looking for the kitchen. It was then you realized that while you'd been asleep, that he'd gone into your aunt's room, killed her, and taken the money? Yes. If I hadn't fallen asleep, I might have prevented it. I, I could have shot him. Officer, you know this woman's crazy, don't you? Crazy? Yes. Yes, she told me so herself. She said she was being kept a prisoner by her aunt and her mother because they knew she was unbalanced. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe you're right, Joe. Maybe she is crazy. What? What do you mean by that? She's crazy. Yeah. Crazy like a fox. She's lying. I never said I was crazy. When Joe came to the farm and you realized he was the escape killer from the asylum, you decided to take advantage of his being there and kill your aunt so your mother would inherit the estate. How can you say such a thing? That's horrible. You knew Joe would try to make a getaway when you told him about the broadcast. You had the money and the gun. You forced him to take you across the state line. 
You knew we'd chase you and catch you. You dropped the bunny bag in the seat, and when we caught up to you, you hit yourself in the mouth with the gun butt. I didn't. I didn't. Ah, yes, you did. We know all about it. It was you who entered your aunt's room, took the money, and hit her on the head. How can you say that? It's because your aunt saw you standing over her bed. She called headquarters an hour ago. You what? Yeah. You didn't hit her hard enough, Della. And you lied about that phone. It was never out of order. She isn't dead. But this is ridiculous. Why would I do such a thing? Here's an escape lunatic. A mad killer. Why should I be accused of such a thing? Stella, Joe Nichols was captured a half hour after the broadcast. This man isn't Joe Nichols. He's Joe Davis, a deserter from Camp Higsby. But I think he's ready to go back and face the music. Believe me, Lieutenant. I thought I couldn't stand it there any longer. So I ran away. But after all this... Well, just take me back to camp. It'll it'll be like paradise. Well, there you are. A strange story that might very well have ended disastrously for Joe if Della hadn't slipped up on two things. The telephone and the failure to learn if Aunt Agatha was really dead. Even though Joe has not escaped as an escape lunatic, he might very easily have been charged with murder had it not been for the over-anxiety of the vicious-minded Della. Della wasn't crazy. She was just a selfish little fool with no thought for anyone or anything except her own individual existence. There are a lot of you like that. Think it over. Broadcasting system. From May of 1943, that was The Whistler on Old Time Radio Forever. After a short commercial break, we're going to move across the pond and we're going to listen to one of the many incarnations of the Sherlock Holmes radio program. We're going to focus tonight on the year 1947, April of that year to be exact. We'll be right back. Hey guys, your host Matt Perry here. Exciting news for old time radio forever. We've just recently started working with our new sponsor, Podcorn.com, P-O-D-C-O-R-N.com. Podcorn.com is an online marketplace that connects podcasters to podcast advertisers. There is no middleman with Podcorn.com. You as a podcaster, or if you wish to be an advertiser, you simply search through advertising opportunities and you work together to produce great 
podcasting content. For you podcasters out there, there is no worry. You lose none of your exclusive rights to your podcast, and all Podcorn does is help you get connected to potential advertisers. The great thing about Podcorn working with Old Time Radio Forever is it allows me to devote more time to the program. So now there'll be more episodes each week, and inside of each Old Time Radio Forever episode, you have multiple Old Time Radio shows. So show a big thanks to our new sponsor, Podcorn, and click the link in our description below, or head on over to podcorn.com. Tonic and Cremel Shampoo present the new adventures of Sherlock Holmes, starring Nigel Bruce as Dr. Watson and Tom Conway as Sherlock Holmes. Now, once again, it's time to keep that weekly appointment with our good friend and host, Dr. Watson. Good evening, Dr. Watson. Good evening, Mr. Bell. As usual, you're punctual to the minute. Draw up your chair and make yourself comfortable. Thank you. That's it. I see that you have the old black tin dispatch box out again, Dr. Watson. I deduce that you were going over your notes on tonight's case. Elementary, my dear boy. <laughs> Among the records, I came across some notes of cases that I'd almost forgotten. The shocking death of Crosby, the banker, the Adelton tragedy, and some data on the unusual contents of the ancient British barrow. Those stories sound pretty intriguing, Dr. Watson. I shall tell them to you some other evening, Mr. Bell. Tonight, I'm going to recount an adventure that took place in the heart of the beautiful English countryside. I call it The Adventure of the Tolling Bell. Well, that story began in the small country village of Carnforth. Holmes had recently brought to a successful conclusion the affair of the Barrow-in-Furnace wheelchair murders. And we decided that a few days' rest in nearby Carnforth would do us both good before returning to our arduous life in Baker Street. We were staying at a small but comfortable inn. Early in the morning of the third day, I remember, Holmes and I were in our bedroom waiting for those two essentials without which an English country gentleman could not start his day. The early morning cup of tea and a jug of hot water for shaving. As we sat there at the open window, a nearby church bell was tolling a funeral knell. There must be a funeral in the village, Holmes. An astonishing deduction, Watson. There's no need to make fun of it. Pressing sound, isn't it? I spoke, though. Has it ever occurred to you, Watson, that the history of bells is full of romantic interest? Well, I can't say I've thought much about it. Almost every historical event has been accompanied by the sound of bells. They summoned soldiers to arms as well as Christians to church. They sounded the alarm in fire, tumult, and invasion. And many a bloody chapter in history has been rung in and out by bells. You seem to be a mine of information on the subject. Yes, Watson. It's a fascinating subject. Come in, come in. Good morning, my dear. Morning, gentlemen. I brought you tea, your shaving water. Mrs. Nichols said to say your breakfast will be ready in half an hour. Splendid, Mary Oh, uh, Mary, the church bell is tolling a funeral knell. Do you know who's being buried? That I do, sir. I wish it was me. It'll be my turn soon. Poor little thing. I wonder what's the matter with her. I have no idea, Father or mother just died. Or a young man. Yes, I bet that's it. She's a pretty girl. And she'd obviously have been crying when she came in. 
Perhaps that's the fiancé they're burying now. Watson, you have the sentimental imagination of the true storyteller. But we've come here for a holiday. You must give your imagination a rest, too. So drink your tea, remove your whiskers, and we'll go downstairs and investigate those kippers. You like your kippers, gentlemen? Excellent, Mrs. Nickel, excellent. Never eaten better. Yes, indeed. By the way, Mrs. Nickel, we heard the funeral bell tolling earlier on. Do you know who was being buried? Yes, I do. Two souls are being buried. And one of them was a murderer. A murderer? Good Lord, in this peaceful village? What happened, Mrs. Nickel? Old Threadgold, the corn merchant, found out his wife had been gallivanting around with a young fellow from Bolton. Put her throat, he did, and aligned himself. Smart tea. Thank you. Shocking. The peaceful countryside is not as peaceful as it's made out to be, Holmes. A fact that I've frequently had occasion to point out to you, Watson. Has the morning post arrived yet, Mrs. Mickle? Here comes old Gilly up the past it now. I'll see if he's got anything for you. Murder? What do you make of it, Holmes? What is there to make of it, Watson? A jealous husband murders a faithless wife and then commits suicide. A tragic story, but uh, a simple one. Top of the morning to you, gentlemen. Good morning, Gillian. Any letters for me today? Oh, Mr. Holmes, two letters. One of them's got some newspaper clippings in it, I think. And you've got a postcard from a Mr. Lestrade. He wants you back in London. Bad, Mr. Holmes. There you are. Upon my soul, Gillian, you've been reading Mr. Holmes' private correspondence. Bless your heart, Dr. Watson. If I didn't read other people's correspondence, how would I know what's going on in the village? Mm, You were right, Gillian. It is newspaper clippings. By the way, you heard about the murder of Mrs. Treadgold, I suppose? Heard about it. I told the bell this morning at the funeral. You mean to say that you're the bell ringer as well as the postman? Bless your heart, yes, Doctor. President of the Coral Society, too, as well as being on the parish council. You're a busy man, Gillian. That I am, sir. Take this afternoon now. I'm to ring those bells, okay? Not another funeral, surely? Uh, no, sir. A wedding this time. Oh, I'm glad to hear it. Young Sam Perrin is marrying the Slater girl. And you might say I'm responsible for bringing them together. Got some of their letters mixed up, I did. Looked each other up to exchange them, and I pressed up before you know what's happening. They're getting married. <laughs> Regular Cupid, you might say I am. Be off with you, Gilly. Other people want their letters. Mr. Holmes doesn't want his skippers spoiled with your idle chatter. All right, Mrs. Crabapples and Vinegar. Uh, one of these fine days you'll smile, and the world will come to an end. Good day, gentlemen. Talkative old busybody he is. Oh, Mr. Holmes. Mrs. Lackland's in the hall. The poor old lady's most anxious to talk to you. Mrs. Lackland? She has the sense to shop in the ice tree. Her only son ran away from home a few months back. I think that's what she wants to speak to you about. Oh, but uh, my friend's here for a rest, Mrs. McCall. I told her that, Doctor, but she won't go away without seeing Mr. Holmes. Oh, very well. Ask her to come in, please, Mrs. Mickle. Yes, Mr. Holmes. Oh, why do you bother to see her, Holmes? Sounds like a trivial matter. The disappearance of an only son can never be a trivial matter. Well, I'm a trivial for you, not for her. This is Mr. Holmes and Dr. Watson, dear. Thank you, Amy. Good morning, sir. Good morning. Good morning. Please sit down, Mrs. Lickland. That's it. Now, what's the trouble? It's Tom, sir. My only son. He left me four months ago, and I've not seen Ian or I'd of him since. 
You've had no message from him since he left? Not one word unsaid out of my mind, sir. Have you any idea of his reason for leaving the village, Mrs. Lackland? None, sir. He was a good boy, and he worked hard, and he didn't fool around with those flippity-jip girls in the village. I think he's met with foul reply, gentlemen. And I want you to find out about him for me, Mr. Holmes. I've heard say in the village that you're the greatest detective in England. Uh, Mrs. Lackland, I'd be glad to help you, but uh, you'll give me no clues to work with. I'm afraid if that I can... If it's money you want, I've got 20 pounds in the postal savings. It's all yours if you can bring my Tommy home to me. Or at least tell me he's safe. Mrs. Lackland, I wouldn't dream of accepting a fee. However, I shall give your problem some thought. If I arrive at any conclusions, I'll get in touch with you at once. God bless you, Mr. Holmes. Good morning to you, sir. Uh, good day. Good morning, Senator. Poor old thing. I don't see how you can help her, Holmes. Nor do I, at the moment. But a young man who has grown up in a small village like this may have led a life that his mother is totally unaware of. You said that you had to work on one of your stories today, Watson. Yes, I had a letter from the editor of the Strand magazine yesterday requesting a manuscript as soon as possible. Splendid. Then you stay at the inn and work on your latest masterpiece while I scour the village to see what may be found out about the missing young man. beginning to think you got lost. Hello, Watson. I trust you had a profitable session with pen and paper. Well, I've done about half a chapter. I would have done more if it hadn't been for those infernal bells. Mm, the wedding ceremony that the worthy Gilly told us about this morning. Oh, I'm tired. Oh, well, what did you find out about Mrs. Lackland's son? Among other things, that he had a secret love life unknown to his mother. And the object of his affections was none other than the maid who brought us our tea this morning. Mary? You talk to her? No, it's her half day off, and I was unable to find her. However, I shall question her when she brings our tea tomorrow morning. Come in, Mary. Oh, Mrs. Mickle. Good morning, gentlemen. Here's your tea and shaving water. Where's Mary this morning? She didn't come to work. Must be ill again. Unreliable girl. And no better than she ought to be, if you ask me. It's no job for me to be carrying tea and hot water upstairs. I hear the village bell tipping for another funeral. Does Carnforth have a burial every morning? I really don't see how the population can run to it. It's another suicide, sir. Another suicide? Good Lord. Old John Larrabee, the baker. He was expecting some money from his son in Australia. It never came. And they foreclosed on his shop. And he hanged himself. Will you be wanting a couple of boiled eggs to your breakfast, gentlemen? No, no, I haven't much of an appetite, thank you very much. Yes, sir. That woman seems absolutely heartless. She almost smacks her lips when she tells us about these tragedies. Yes, Watson, I noticed it. This peaceful village is beginning to seem strangely sinister to me. And since you have no appetite for breakfast, perhaps you'll join me in a little excursion as soon as you're dressed. Of course. Where are we going? To see the maid, Mary. I'm anxious to talk to her before another funeral bell begins to toll. Oh. 
Christmas near the cottage home. They said it was the one with honeysuckle over the gate. Yes, and there's Mary sitting on the porch. Oh, she's got up. She's coming. She's coming up the path to meet us. Good morning, Mary. I'm sorry you're not feeling well. Mr. Holmes, Dr. Watson, why have you come here? I'll ask about Maya. Or should a servant girl matter to gentlemen like you? Oh, you must judge us, my dear. I assure you no, that No, we... Watson. Let's be honest and admit we didn't come here because of our concern for Mary's health. Then why did you come here, sir? Mrs. Lackland asked me to try and find her son, Tom. Tom? Yes, Tom Lackland. I thought you might be able to help me, Mary. I could help you, Mr. Holmes. I'd be helping myself. Here come Gilly, the postman. Gilly? Gilly, is there a letter for me today? No, lass. There's nothing for you again. There must be, Gilly. There must be there. No, lass. If the letter would come, I'd bring it to you as fast as my legs would carry me. You know that. Morning, Mr. Holmes. Dr. Watson. Left some letters at the inn for you, Doctor. You had a letter from a lady. Oh, oh, I don't know. It reeked with a smell of violets, it did. And it was written in green ink on grey paper, sir. Amazing deduction. That sounds like your young friend from Daly's, Watson. Oh, how did you know that? Well, I mean, I don't have a young friend from Daly's, Watson. Quite. Gilly, you told another funeral bell today, didn't you? Aye, sir. And a tragic thing it was. Fate, you might call it. Old Larrabee hanged himself because he didn't get money from his son in Australia. I found him, I did. I was the one to cut him down. And right in the post bag, the letter he was waiting for. The letter that had saved his life. Great what a gossip piece of irony. That it was, sir. That it was. Well, gentlemen, I'll be on my way. Good day. Good day, Mary. Perhaps that letter will arrive tomorrow. Mm. I'll never hear from Tom, never. He's ashamed of me. That's why he deserted me. Deserted you, Mary? You speak almost as if you were his wife. I am his wife. What? We were married secretly in Rochdale five months ago, come Tuesday. And he never told his mother? He was afraid to. She thought I was beneath him. Tom said he'd go away and get a good job and then return here and fetch me back with him. He went away all right. But he never came back sent me word. Uh, when he left... Uh... Did he give no clues to his destination? No hint of any kind, Mary? Well, he did want to say, Mary, I'm going to clear out to this puddle and make my fortune, even if I have to bury it. And then he said, bury me fortune. That's a joke, isn't it? But I don't know what he meant by it. I think I do, Mary. Watson, we're taking a short train journey as soon as possible. Oh, where are we going, may I ask? Going to the town of Berry in search of this young lady's husband. What makes you think Tom might be in Berry, Mr. Holmes? Because the famous fortune cotton mills are in Berry. It would seem possible that when your husband joked of begging his fortune, he was talking of going to the mills there. Wherever he's gone, he won't be coming back to me. I know that. No, 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 no. Don't talk like that, my dear. Remember, you have friends, Mrs. Lackland. <laughs> Standing outside the factory gates, if I were a blasted coachman. Oh, there he is. There he is. Home. Home. Hello, Watson. 
Permit me to introduce you to Mr. Tom Lathland. Tom, this is Dr. Watson. How do you do, Dr. Watson? How do you do? Never mind how I do, young fellow, my lad. How do you do? Your behavior's been absolutely shocking. Shocking. Now, what are you talking about? Leaving your dear old mother and deserting your pretty little bride because you're ashamed of her. You're a scoundrel, sir. You deserve a good horsewhipping, and I have a good mind to give it to you. I don't know what you're talking about, Dr. Watson, but I don't like the words you use. And if it's violence you want, I don't mind telling you I'm amateur heavyweight champion of the county. You are? Oh, well, no need to come up to what? No, let's waste time on being acrimonious, Watson. Let's get back to the station as fast as we can. The return of the prodigal is long overdue. We must give them every opportunity to kill the fatted calf. Hi, there's Mary's house. I'm dying to see her. And after this reunion, Tom, I suggest that you both go over and see your mother. I'm sure she'll forgive you. Yes, Mr. Holmes, I'll do that. Well, perhaps we should have warned her. Your subjects may be something of a shock. I think it's a shock that Mary can handle. She must be up. Door's locked. Knock again, if you don't mind. She's asleep. Quick heavens! That was a revolver shot. Come on, Watson. Help me break in the door. place to break off your story. You left me right on the edge of a cliff. Had the young girl shot herself? She shot at herself, Mr. Bell. But fortunately, a last-minute lack of courage had made her shot go wild. Holmes and I and the young bridegroom burst into the house and wrested the smoking revolver from her hand. I must confess that the union between the two young lovers was a touching sight. In fact, uh, I felt considerably older than I was as Holmes and I stood there listening to, uh, to Tom reassure Mary, darling, oh. it's all right. I'm here. Oh, Tom, you are. You did come back for me. I thought you never would. I tried to kill myself, but I hadn't the courage. Oh, there, there, Mary. Everything's going to be all right now. We'll be talking about it. I'm so tired. And now, Tom, I think the time has come to reassure Mary that you did write to her. Oh, of course I did, Mary, darling, and I sent you money and told you that I'd be back here to take you to Ferry as soon as I'd saved up enough. You wrote to me, Tom? Twice a week. When I wrote to Mother, too. Then why didn't I get the letters? The answer to that should be obvious, my dear. Gilly, the postman, deliberately withheld them from you. Really? Quite heavens. Why? I have my suspicions. Strong suspicions. But I have to get proof. Tell me, Mary. The day before yesterday, Mr. Treadgold murdered his wife. Do you know how he learned of her infidelity? Well, I'm not sure, but I did hear Mrs. Nichols say that it was through some letters that got mixed up. The letters addressed to her were delivered to his office instead of at the house. Gilly again. Precisely. Surely the whole terrible pattern begins to take shape. Tom. Yes, Mr. Rowe? I'm going to lay a trap. To spring it, I shall need your assistance. Of course, Mr. Rowe. I'll do anything. Wait with Mary until darkness falls. Then muffle yourselves up and go to your mother's house. Wait there in hiding and let no outsider see you until you hear from me. Uh, since you two lovebirds have been separated for four months, I don't imagine that'll be too unpleasant. Quiet, Watson. You understand, Tom? Yes, Mr. Good. Then come on, Watson. Well, what's your plan, Holmes? I'll tell you as we go. One thing I can promise you. Before the sun is very high tomorrow, I shall free this village from one of the most subtly evil powers I've ever come in contact with. Oh. 
morning, Dr. Watson. Mr. Rose. Good morning, Mrs. Mickle. Good morning. I always said that Mary was a no-good girl, and now she's killed herself. But of course, I had to come to her, Mr. Rose. That's very chargeable, Mrs. Mickle, I must say. In any case, the vicar says that the poor girl was of unsound mind. Yes, madam, you can't blame her. Well, I'll be getting into the church. Holmes, this farce is beginning to get on my nerves. What are we accomplishing by burying an empty coffin? You'll soon see, old chap. Come on, let's slip into the vestry. This way. Oh, where are we going, Holmes? Up the stairs that leads to the belfry. Here they are. Well, supposing Gilly turns nasty when he finds out we know his secret. Then we must handle him to the best of our ability, Watson. Well, I must say, I do not relish the thought of a tussle high in the belfry of a church. The man must be insane. Obviously. That's why his power must be destroyed. This door apparently leads to the belfry. Keep your wits about you, Watson. Good morning, Gilly. Oh, Mr. Rowe! Dr. Watson! You want to see me at work? That's nice of you. Not often I get company up here. We haven't come up here to see you at work, Gilly. We know your dying boss will work only too well. Yes, Gilly, we know your secret. What secret's that? You're mad with power, Gilly. You've tried to control the destiny of this village. In your position as postman, you have the power to give life and death. That I am, sir. And it's a great power. It makes a man feel good. Almost like a god, you might say. That's sacrilege, you scoundrel. You were responsible for the murder of Mrs. Treadgold. I, sir, that I was. And for the old man hanging himself. You were responsible for John Larrabee's suicide, weren't you? Aye, that I was. Larrabee tried to vote me off the village council. I swore I'd make him fight for it. And I did. Your reign is over, Jimmy. You'll never toll a bell again. The only one you'll hear will be a prison bell. You can't touch me, Mr. Holmes. You've got no proof. There's nothing you can do. Don't be too sure. I've enough influence to take your job away. You... You... Take me away from me, bells. I... I live for these bells. You wouldn't take me away from them. You couldn't live with the power they give you, could you, Gilly? You're trying to destroy me! You are destroyed, Gilly. Yes, you've already failed. Mary's alive. Uh, alive? But the coffin they're burying down there... Is full of stones. You'll be the laughing stock of the village, Gilly. They'll never laugh at Gilly. You can't catch me, Mr. just. He's running up the ladder leading to the bell car. Come back, Gilly. Come back! He's, he's mad as a hatter. Quite. What's he going to do up there? Might set fire to the steeple. Commit any madness. I'm going to fetch him, Holmes. No, Watson. He drew a knife as he fled. And with that rickety staircase and the narrow opening leading into the bell chamber, you'd never stand a chance. He'd get you on the first ladder. How are we going to get him down? There's only one way. He's in a tiny loft containing his beloved bells. We'll see how much he loves them at close quarters. I doubt if even he can stand the noise in that confined space. Where's that bell rope? Come down, Gilly. Come down from there. Stop! Stop ringing me, bell! Not until you come down, Gilly. Stop ringing them! I can't stand it! You're me mad! You are mad, Gilly. Mad with power. Come down here, I say. I'm coming! Great heavens, he held himself out of the belfry. Holmes, he has the chance of surviving that fall. I have no intention of causing the unhappy man to jump to his death, Watson. Though I cannot help but feel that his poor demented mind may find a happy oblivion 
this way, rather than in the confines of an asylum. Yes, you're probably right, Holmes. It's been a shocking case, Watson, shocking. And once again it proves the old saying that violence does in truth recoil upon the violent. And the schemer falls into the pit which he digs for another. <laughs> Now, Dr. Watson, what about next week? Well, now, let me see what I tell you. Um, next week, I think I'll tell you a rather gruesome story about how Sherlock Holmes saved the life and the sanity of a certain Count Romagna. I call it The Adventure of the Carpathian Horror. Tonight's new Sherlock Holmes adventure was suggested by an incident in Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's story, The Golden Pants May. Nigel Bruce appeared through the courtesy of California Pictures. Tom Conway, by permission of Eagle Eye and Pictures. The Sherlock Holmes series is produced by Tom McKnight, with original music composed and conducted by Alex Steiner. This is Joseph Bell, speaking for Kremel Hair Tonic and Kremel Shampoo, and inviting you to be with us next week at the same time when Dr. Watson will tell us the adventure of the Carpathian Horror.